It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. Now here's your host, Matt Lorenek. Thank you, as always, for spending your Friday evening with us. It is Sports Wrap here on 760 WJR. Producer Blake hanging out with me, Matt Lornick, with you for the hour. And a lot going on, despite it being the somewhat down period of sports. Stanley Cup finals are over. Baseball for your Detroit Tigers, not going great. So there's not so much excitement there. And on the other side of things, we're kind of just waiting to see what your Detroit Red Wings are going to continue to do in the NHL draft. And there's a lot of excitement to be had surrounding that team because they are doing a lot of great things. But there also needs to be the understanding and I think the ability to look at what they're doing and analyze it from a way of knowing that it's going to happen slowly, knowing that it's not going to be something that we can expect to have immediate changes or immediate success in any one way or another. Because what always ends up happening is the excitement builds as it should, but a lot of what's happening with the NHL draft right now will be a few years before we see it turn into something. The phone number, it's always out there. If you want to call and join in, 800-859-0957. You can call or text Let's go to Greg and Shelby to kick things off this afternoon. Greg, how's it going? Hey, good, you guys. Uh, the Elvis of Positivity, Mr. Positive in the house. Um, Matthew, I love your take, the Detroit Red Wings. Um, you're right, it's going to take a while to rebuild, but you've got a really good uh, two minds here that are going to uh, take uh, the Red Wings to where we are accustomed to, Stanley Cup champions. And also, I want to say real quick, hopefully you'll talk about the Tigers. I see some positive things happening. One, the confluence of them winning series. Two, they're coming from behind. There's an electricity in the clubhouse that I think that we should be happy, and it warrants that maybe, just maybe, the second half, we're going to turn around this season and get into the uh, um, uh, playoffs. What say you, my friend? Yeah, Mr. P, appreciate you calling in. Uh, I think you're right. There are some things to absolutely be excited about surrounding the Tigers. You know, maybe it is it a second half of the season we turn things around and get there, like you said. I think it could be, but I think the somewhat underlying issue that at least I have is that as an organization, they still are an organization that is just – very misconstrued in the messaging that they put out to the fan base. I think that the messaging should be in a way, the way that the Pistons are handling things, the way that the Red Wings are handling things, you know, Chris Illich and Alavila come out at the beginning of the season and say, Hey, get excited for Tigers baseball. We're going to be competing for a playoff spot. We're going to be trying to win, you know, the AL cent. I mean, now looking at how that all has played out, I think as a fan, you're disappointed. This is more so what we expected, the way it's going. But for our other teams locally, they're kind of just doing it under the radar. They're kind of just getting in there and getting it done. The Pistons are a great example. I don't hear a lot of pomp and circumstance from them about 
how good they're going to be, how amazing this is going to look. They're just going out there and putting the pieces together. And in doing so, the results are speaking for themselves. Last year, they were still a bad team. But was Cade Cunningham everything we thought he'd be? Absolutely. And will the continuation of bringing those pieces together bring us to where we want to be eventually? I think so. I think it's still going to take some time. But I think it's definitely going in the right direction. Would you agree, Blake? I would agree. I think that the Pistons, were, just to kind of touch back where you were going with that, yeah. I think that um, Troy Weaver's like positivity rating, Mr. Positive would love that, positivity Heck rating yeah. is, I would say, either the best or second best yeah. in town. I mean, people love the moves he's been making. Yeah. Whereas El Avila... I feel like, like just scrolling through Twitter, like they've been playing better, but people are bashing him even more. Right. Now, Greg, what do you say about that? I mean, is Troy Weaver, you know, if let's say we have to rate the GMs of this town. On positivity. On positivity. Which one is closest to your level? I think uh, Blake was spot on. Yeah. I really do. Thank you, Greg. You betcha, you guys. Love you. Have a great weekend and be safe. Thanks, Mr. P. Have a good one. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a, a great point brought up by Mr. Positive, and it is that sort of, you know, is there are there things to be excited about with the Tigers? Yes. Are they the things that we should be really sort of praising them for? I don't know. They're doing all the things that we expected them to do in the first place, and they're not doing them in any type of way that is going to garnish, like we've said, immediate success and that's okay and it would have been okay had we had that expectation going into this season but when everything gets blown out of proportion be ready to make the playoffs be ready to win the AL. I mean those are all things that are very high on Tigers fans list of things they want back because we remember what that's like and we remember what that feeling is now Exactly what Troy Weaver is doing for the Pistons. We can remember what it's like to be a playoff contender, an NBA champion. We know all that. But we, you know, he's going to let us see it as it starts to happen. As it starts to mesh together and as it all starts to take place of, you know, seeing the sort of building of this team he's been working on. Once we see it, it'll happen. It's like the, if you build it, they'll come, right? Do you think it's going to take longer for people to embrace the Pistons because basketball is so weird in this town? I think so. I think, unfortunately. Like, that might be part of the reason why. It is. Now, the diehards, like you said, the diehard basketball fans, they're all in. The diehard basketball fans have been all in since before Cade Cunningham, really. I mean, they have been every single bit of involved attentive, watching the rebuild happen. I mean, and there are some diehard fans that I know and are friends with, and they'll try to talk about the in-depth intricacies of the Detroit Pistons. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I can follow it, but it's not something that I'm that invested in because when they're good, I'll know they're good, and I'll go back to enjoying them as a fan. Pistons Twitter is awesome. It is. They like they have a great following on Twitter and like And Detroit Sports Twitter is awesome. And like just in general, I mean, the Tigers, the Red Wings, the the, the Pistons, I mean, all of them together, 
they do a great job. Yeah, there, there's a couple people on Detroit sports Twitter that I'm not a fan of. <laughs> but, yeah, for the most part, I agree yeah. with you. I mean, you know, they've embraced some of the things that make sports fun. They've done a lot of things, even the Lions. I mean, when the Lions announced their schedule and then they did it with, you know, the Detroit Urban Survival Training guy, right? I mean, yeah. that was a viral moment that got people talking about them in other ways. And sometimes when you are that bad, for lack of a better way to say it, that's the way you create positive buzz about your team. You be creative and you be successful in other ways. It's not yet successful on the floor. It's not yet successful on the field for the Lions. But you know what they're doing? They're distracting us from what isn't there yet. They're making it fun to be a fan of those teams again. Because if you go to a Pistons game, you get to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Despite there being really no one, you know, again, not really many people go to the games yet. But if you do go to the games and it's really not publicized a lot, some of the halftime acts are amazing. Yeah. Just to bring it all back to Mr. Positive's original question, I don't think social media can save Alavila. No chance. Because he gets bashed so much on yeah. social media. And I think the problem was Alavila was always sort of that hangover that everybody just still in this town has not been able to get rid of. It's just still that lingering sort of gray cloud over the Detroit Tigers that if they had done what the Red Wings did and said, you know what, it's just time for a change. We just got to get out of here. We just need a change. I mean, there is now positive excitement surrounding that Red Wings team. And despite, like you said, and despite what Mr. Positive even was saying too, to his point, despite whatever happens with the Tigers, how good they can be, people will still want Alavila out. They could have a great second half of the season. They could come back and make the playoffs. But Alavila's head will still be on that stick at the end of it all saying, well, we could have won the AL Central. Well, we could have made the playoffs had he not been there. So I just don't think it's anything he can get away from. Fans always need a scapegoat. Of course they do. And right now in this town, because everything else is good, in a relative term for how bad it was. That's what I mean, right? I mean, you have to relate this to Detroit sports as of now. Now, if this was 1997 and we're saying this is good, then we've got a bigger problem because there's no way. But you're in a situation now where good for our Detroit sports teams is pretty much where we're at. Red Wings, Pistons, Lions, you guys are doing good. Keep doing what you're doing because you're doing it well. Mm -hmm. Tigers? You know, step you're your at least game up. giving us something to talk about. Yeah, you're making you're you're making Detroit sports exciting again for us here in the city. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters right Are now. Are we gonna make hats? We could make know. Detroit sports fun again. <laughs> Our uh, WJR listeners would love that. That's what I mean. <laughs> I think that's exactly what we should do. We're gonna have an off-air meeting in this break, and we're gonna talk about all that. We'll have hats for you coming back in the next segment. Sports wrap on seven sixty WJR. Now back to more sports wrap. Once again, Matt Lorenek. Another Friday, another episode of Sports Wrap. Matt Lorenek hanging out with you this evening alongside producer Blake and a fellow coworker of mine, alumni of the same prestigious university that we both attended, is joining us now. Arif Dean, how are you, my man? I'm doing good, Matt. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you as well. Now, for those of you who don't know, 
Arif is a longtime resident of this lovely city of Detroit, but is a Colorado Avalanche fan. Red Wings take his number two, originally born in Canada, so I give you a pass for being originally from Canada. That's how your love of the Avalanche happened. I get it. Nothing wrong with that because talking to you may be as close as I'm going to get to talking to a Stanley Cup champion in a while. Yeah. I will say um, I, I, I don't want to call myself a Stanley Cup champion, but I did have the pleasure and the honor, obviously, to cover the Stanley Cup playoffs this year for the Avs and be on the ice when they wanted in Tampa Bay uh, 12 days ago now, which is crazy yeah. to think. But, uh, yeah, uh, my fandom is definitely not the same as what you remember a couple of years ago where <laughs> my phone wallpaper and the shirts and the jerseys and all that, it's working as a reporter and as a, jur- <laughs> excuse me, as a journalist is a lot more impartial uh, so it's a different kind of hockey fandom, but yeah. it's, uh, it's a dream job and the dream life. That's awesome. It's a great thing to be seeing you have so much success and so much enjoyment with what you're doing. But there are some real questions that are going to come around for the Avalanche. Now, after the year they had, I think the big question would be, can they do it again next year? So... The simple answer is yes, but there's a lot of things between now and then that are going to need to be determined. So um, as we know, the Avalanche are, they they needed to win this year with this group because they have a lot of guys on expiring deals Mm -hmm. and a lot of big decisions are going to be made here in the next five or six days between now and Wednesday when free agency opens. Um, The reason why I still say yes is because the core of this group is intact. Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, Miko Rantanen, um, the best defenseman I've seen ever since Nick Lindstrom. And in 20 years, we might be talking about him as having a better career than Nick Lindstrom and Kale McCarr. Um, so those core guys are intact, Bowen Byram, young defenseman. But it's the pieces around them. We saw the Avalanche trade for a goalie yesterday. Mm-hmm. Darcy Kemper is gone. Nazem Kadri, uh, hell of a guy to cover. Uh, he's been a wonderful treat with the Avs for three years. He's probably gone. Andre Burakovsky, uh, Josh Manson, who they got at the deadline. Nichushkin's a free agent, but they want to bring him back. So quite a few guys need new deals, and that's going to determine how good this team is. But as we saw with Tampa Bay when they lost players and Chicago in 2010, they're still a good team. They still have the core. They just got to make sure they surround them with the right guys. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they are and still a good place to be able to do it. But like you mentioned, it's going to take some working of getting those deals to be put together. Now I know you still being a fan of our Detroit Red Wings, how much has the work that Iserman done so far, just in general with the team, put them in a better position to be successful? So full disclosure to start, um, my entire life I've grown up in Detroit. I despise the Red Wings. It's okay. <laughs> I it's became, okay. and, and you know, being an Avalanche fan, it's hard not to. You know, I, I went know. through high school as as the kid where all of his friends and professors and teachers and everybody in high school, college, elementary school was always kind of jabbing at each other. Um, I grew a newfound love and respect for the Red Wings after moving here, just because I'm from Detroit, Motor City, baby. So I, right. I, I love everything Detroit a lot more. I appreciate a lot more. But um, the rivalry is long gone. It's dead. It's not what it used to be. And uh, Detroit is a better place to be, and it's a better city, and the NHL is a better place when the Red Wings are good, and I'm, I'm waiting for that moment. It's coming. But the Red Wings have some great pieces in place. So when I was in Tampa Bay, 
uh, between games three and four, they had the NHL award show, and I had the uh, the pleasure of finally meeting Morvid Sider and talking to him. Yeah. And I've never talked to, I think he's 20. Mm-hmm. I've never talked to a 20-year-old as mature as that. Um, and, and, and that goes back to, you know, I, I, uh, back when I was younger and, and getting into this industry and I would come out here and do some internships and things, I talked to a young Gabe Landeskog back in the day, and he was, you know, a captain at 19 for a reason. And Morvid Sider is right up there in terms of his maturity, the confidence this kid has. He's built like, in a, like an absolute unit. Um, so love what that kid brings to the Red Wings. And he's just an exceptional talent. Like everybody in Tampa Bay, that NHL award show, which I attended, um, everybody was talking about how Kale McCarr is winning this Norris trophy as the best defenseman. The two guys he's going against are veterans, Roman Yossi and Victor Hedman. But everybody was talking about the young kid winning the Calder Trophy is going to be the kid challenging him for the next decade. Yeah, and I think that's that's, that's, that's how good he is. I agree, and I think that's the excitement that we have here is to look forward to what's coming because, as you know, obviously covering hockey and being so entrenched in the sport, you know, the draft that's happening now, realistically, those players maybe make it to the NHL and get on the NHL you know, playing roster in two to three years. It's not something that happens like the NFL where they're drafted and all of a sudden they're on a pro team yeah. that next season, right? So I think that's some of the sort of realism that our city has to have with what's happening. It's not going to be an immediate, wow, look at those highlight clips of Marco Casper. He's going to be awesome next year. It's like, well, he's not going to be really around yeah. next year much. So You might not see him for three or four years. Um, a lot of these guys, the Red Wings drafted, they finally, you know, obviously since their playoff streak ended, they've had some higher picks. So they've had Morvitz Sider, Lucas Raymond. Next year, let's let's wait for Simon Edmondson because mm-hmm. he might be as good as Morvitz Sider. He's, he's another talent that this team has. And now Marco Casper. So because they've had such high picks in the draft, they've had guys that have been able to make the jump a lot earlier. Um, but that's not usually the norm. I mean, you know, this is for different reasons because he was playing the KHL, but Kirill Kaprizov is 25 years old. He yeah. was drafted in 2014, and he won the uh, Norris Trophy, I want to say, in 2021, mm-hmm. the year before Cider. Um, and he's 25 years old. He was drafted eight years ago. So right. it takes a little bit of time, but, you know, Marco Kasper is, is another one of those guys. What I love about what Eisenman's doing is he's all about – He's all about familiarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hired a coach uh, that he was very much very well aware of. Derek Lalonde is somebody that he hired in Tampa Bay to coach under John Cooper. Uh, he was in the mix for Lane Lambert that ended up getting the job in New York because him and Lane Lambert used to be teammates. Right. Well, he takes that same approach and he puts it to his drafting. Uh, a couple of years ago, Morvid Sider, when COVID hit and wiped out you know, the 2020-21 season up until January Morvid Sider played for Rogel in Sweden. His teammate was Marco Kasper. So Sider and Kasper are very familiar with each other. On the other hand, Simon Edvinson, who's going to jump onto the scene and burst into the lineup next season, he played in Sweden with with his then-teammate, Lucas Raymond. So now you have these four youngsters that the Red Wings are building around that have all played with each other before even getting to Detroit. They're all familiar. They all have that familiarity, that chemistry. And it's, you know, p- potentially two of the biggest forwards on their roster from young forwards and the two biggest defensemen on their roster are all going to kind of grow together. 
already having that familiarity of growing up together. A couple of them are Swedes. You got mm-hmm. a German in the mix. So it's it's a nice uh, it's 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 a good way of building a team, and it's kind of what he did in Tampa Bay. Um, we all remember the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, their AHL team won a championship. I want to say in 2013. And the stars on that team were Andre Palat and Nikita Kucherov and Tyler Johnson and Alex Kalorn and and uh, I forget who the other one, Corey Conacher, all these mm-hmm. young kids that made it to the Lightning together, and half those names are still there. Right, and I so think that's kind of the same model. That insight that you just gave is what the fan base needs to understand here in Detroit, right? It, it's What's happening is happening so much behind the scenes that we as let's say day-to-day fans, the day-to-day fan is not going to understand, well, why did we get him and why did we get him? And we're not going to see them play for a while, you know, but you just put it out there so eloquently and so simply that, look, these guys have played together. They have the experience of knowing each other from essentially, you know, youth hockey in a way, because it's at a very different level what they're playing, but they are still in a lot of, a lot of ways, they're still kids. They are still very, yeah. very young, and it's going to take time for them to mature a little bit more, both on the ice and off the ice. And the fact that Steve Eiserman is putting together those pieces that can all do it together because they know each other so well, I think you make a great point that that's going to be able to help them and propel them into the future. One of the things that the Avalanche did at the deadline, shifting to their gear, is they went out and they traded for Arturi Lekkinen. Mm-hmm. And Lekkinen played on the Canadians last year, and he scored the cup, the, the cup final clinching goal, the goal against the Vegas Golden Knights in the third round to send them to the Stanley Cup final. And then he did the same thing with the Avalanche this year in the third round. He scored the overtime winner in Edmonton, a heck of a night at Rogers Place, uh, at Rogers Arena in Edmonton. And then he scored the Stanley Cup winning goal 12 days ago in Tampa Bay. Now, the reason why that all matters is because after Lekkonen scored the game winner in overtime against the Oilers to send the ass to the final, we talked to Miko Rantanen, and a fellow fan in Miko Rantanen, who's one of the Avalanche's best players, drafted in 2015. Um, he mentioned how him and Lekkonen, and we already knew this from the trade deadline, him yeah. and Lekkonen grew up playing together. They were really close friends. And uh, I asked him something about how excited he was to see Lekkonen score such a big goal, just like he did last year and, you know, look two weeks in the future he did it again against Tampa but how excited he was and he said well I've been telling Joe Sackick for years you need to trade for more fins and he was making a joke about it but it's someone that he grew up playing with right someone that he knows very well and now suddenly you know they're together and, and they're doing their thing it's it's the same reason why a lot of people for years have been saying the avalanche should trade for Jonathan Druin because he played junior hockey with McKinnon granted it's been such a long time now for them that it's probably out of the equation at yeah. this point but that that chemistry, that familiarity really genuinely does matter. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Now, here's the tough question. Have you had a chance to touch the Stanley Cup? Be in the, I know in the same room you were on the ice when they won, by the way. Yeah. Congratulations on setting the dent record. That's awesome. Good for them. It was gonna it was gonna get dented regardless. They just got it out of the way. It was really let, a- let me tell you let me tell you a quick story about that. When when Nicholas Abe <laughs> Kubel was skating into the into the pile to take that picture, the one that everybody's seen where everybody's mouth is kind of like, Oh my god, when <laughs> yeah. Nicholas Abe Kubel literally like just takes the ugliest fall with the cup. I was standing at the at the corner of the rink next to the Stanley Cup keeper, Phil Pritchard, the guy that or yeah. uh, Phil what's his last name? I forget his last name. The guy standing at the other side, you know, the guy with the white hair that brings up the cup. Yeah. He had the look on his face 
of a father that just dropped his like seven-year-old kid off at basketball <laughs> practice for the first time, and within five minutes fell and scabbed his knee. Yeah, I just, get like, it. This disappointed look of like, are you kidding me? We haven't even started the summer yet, and <laughs> you know, a week ago, Curtis McDermott, <laughs> another video everybody's seen, holding the cup over his head and just falling, falling over. Yeah. One of my buddies recorded that, and that's the one that went viral. He sent it to me as a Snapchat video before it even went viral. He's Amazing. like, oh, my God, I'm out of barn. Look what just happened. <laughs> but they're, they're setting some kind of record. They're giving the Capitals a run for their money. I was going to say, they ago. definitely are. Now, another reporter who covers the Avalanche, Mike Chambers, I'm sure you've heard this story. He got to <laughs> hoist the cup, and he's been getting some heat yeah. for it. Is this, I mean, yeah. this seems a little bit crossing the line there. So let me tell you a cool thing about Mike Chambers. From September 2019, the moment that I moved out of Dearborn, Michigan, or Detroit, Michigan, until March 2022, so about three months ago, Mike Chambers and I were roommates. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. So that's about as close as you've gotten to holding the cup then. (laughs) Mike Chambers in 2014, he's he's a veteran of of the industry out here. In 2014, the very first time after graduating from Michigan Dearborn with my bachelor's degree, I came out here to make connections because this was always my dream job. He was the only guy that was willing to help me and has for eight years. So getting that aside, knowing what I know about Mike, I will say two things. I don't have an issue with taking that kind of a picture. Mike is very close with Gabe Landeskog. He has done wonderful stories with him. Uh, When Gabe Landeskog had a kid, his first kid right before COVID, um, back in like December of 2019, I remember being with Mike where he said he's going to work on this cool story. He took his Denver Post photographer. They went over to Gabe Landeskog's house. They got to speak with him, his wife, meet the new baby, and wrote this cool story about Gabe Landeskog growing into a family man. So he's very, very tight-knit with Gabe. What I am shocked about, and he probably regrets it, but only to a certain extent because he's not going to let it bother him, is <laughs> I was surprised he shared it publicly. I was because obviously say. as a journalist, you want to keep that impartiality. If I had an opportunity to take that picture, I probably would have sent it to close friends, not posted on Twitter. But yeah. I also get the heat of that moment and the excitement and the elation of that moment, knowing Gabe Landeskog since he was 18 years old and covering his career and having such respect for him. And for Mike, who's been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. And hasn't seen the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup since 2001. I could understand why he was excited in the moment to post that picture. Yeah. But I will also say what I very much respect about Mike, and this is something he's always said to me, is if you post something that you later regret, own it. Yeah. Don't go back and delete tweets and pretend it didn't happen. Just own it. Yeah. So I don't know what he's feeling because I haven't seen him <laughs> since game six, but I, I I would not have posted the pictures, but I also get it. Yeah, no, it's true. Where well, Mike Chambers stands now. Officially. I am. Yeah, I'm a Mike yeah. Chambers stand. I mean, he got you. Mike, you know, Mike, Mike is a very he's a very misunderstood guy in uh, in in the Avalanche industry because or in the Avalanche market because people don't always like his work. Because let's yeah. face it, he's part of the old guard. He's not a podcaster and a social media guy. He's right. more of the old guard newspaper writer. Um, but he's got to be the nicest human I've met in Denver. That's ever. amazing. Well, and funny story, right? You talk about mishaps with the cup on the way to Lannis Gog's house. It went to the wrong house. So, yeah, it did. I mean, another another opportunity where just random yeah. people living in the Denver area, surprisingly, yeah. the Stanley Cup's on their front porch. I actually had uh, one of my coworkers, because I also I run a fitness studio in, in, in central Denver, and one of my coworkers over there, because they know I do what I do, was telling me the story about the couple that received it. And it was 
it was a gay couple that answered the door that have no idea what hockey is, but they know who Gabe Landeskog is. And they answered the door and they're like, yeah, we'll take this. Like, sure, just drop it off. And they're, they're like, who is this for? And they said Gabe Landeskog. They're like, oh, no, no, no. You got four houses down. Like, you got the wrong house. <laughs> That's so amazing. Just, just, and it kind of, I don't know if you saw the video of Bowen Byram at the, uh, at the parade getting yes. stopped by a cop because he was on the wrong side of the barricade. And yeah. he was like, and he was like, sir, I play for the team. He yeah. said, no, you don't. You're, you're a child. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Arif, always good to talk to you. Very enlightening stuff about the avalanche, the potential for a repeat with them and shining some light on what's happening here with our Detroit Red Wings. I appreciate having you on and hopefully you'll be willing to come on again in the future with us. Yeah, for sure. I still got to take you up on that offer that once I watch that documentary, we got to talk about it. That's it's, right. It's still on the radar. I bet it is. I bet it is. That's Arif Dean. He is from Mile High Sports, the Colorado Avalanche beat writer here on Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. Back to Sports Wrap on WJR. Here's Matt. Plenty to get into regarding your Michigan State Spartans and your Michigan Wolverines and the future of college football. No, we're not talking about the bipartisan legislature that could be passed to bring alcohol to these fine stadiums. Oh, I thought that's what we were talking about. I mean, we could. Bury the lead. I tried. <laughs> that was the goal. Gotcha. But we're talking about expansion, which, as you know, if you haven't heard, is happening. Whether we want it to happen or not, the Big Ten is going to move to the addition of USC and UCLA coming up in 2024. Nothing we can do about it now. But the question that's still out there and the rumor that's been swirling since about a week now, since this story first broke that it was officially happening, is now what's next? Is there more coming? Are they going to add more teams? Is the rest of the Pac-12 going to get absorbed by the Big Ten I don't know. Now, there were rumors that were jumping around that, yes, maybe they were going to add. At one point I heard this week, they're going to add Washington and maybe Notre Dame and Oregon wants to be here. Well, okay, everybody can want to be here, but it's a matter of what's actually going to happen. Now, this just came out today, but the Iowa athletic director, Gary Barta, he says that as of now, the Big Ten is not currently shopping around to add more teams. And for those of you who don't know Gary Barta, he's a very powerful man yes. in college athletics. Yes. Very, very powerful. Very powerful, very reputable. Yeah. So for him to come out and say that right now nothing's happening, okay. But do you believe him? Well, be I don't believe him because what he said was, I don't expect to be voting on something this summer. Okay, well, no. And I don't expect you to be voting on something next summer either. But... In two summers from now, after we've added USC and UCLA, and now we're sitting here watching it all happen, maybe the summer of 24, maybe the summer of 20, probably actually the summer of 25-ish, do I expect you to be voting? Yeah, I expect you to be voting. I actually probably expect you to be voting in 24 so that when 25 comes around, you guys can announce more teams. Yeah. And I said this last week, and you had the night off, so we didn't get to discuss it. Did you miss me, by the way? Blake, yeah, man, come on. I'm... I'm I won't tell Jason that. Don't. But, but, you know, this is a bond we've got going here. <laughs> but there is now what I said is the race to be a national conference. And the Big Ten got there first. They now reach from coast to coast 
with a lot of space in between. But they've made it from coast to coast. The SEC was moving in that direction. Texas and Oklahoma, they're coming on in. The SEC is going to welcome them in with open arms. They will be part of the SEC at some point. So they were moving west. They were making their way out there. But the big question that everybody has is what does this really do for college football? And producer Blake, I want to know, what do you think? Well, I think a lot of things. First of all, just to kind of give a counter to what you were just saying with the national stretch. Yes, that's a good thing. But where are the athletes at in the country? The best athletes. Well, the Southeast. Correct. Always. Where does Still. where does the Big Ten not have a team right now? Right now, down in the Southeast. So that's still an issue for the Big Ten. Oh, yes. That's, and I do, I think it will be addressed. I think it's very possible. I think so, too. Because I think Clemson and Florida State, Miami, they're going to be looking for homes. I think they will. The ACC is not looking good. You brought a very good point up that now, yes, you've added USC and UCLA. And sure, if we rewind the clock to 2004, is USC a good team? Yeah. But right now... They are not. Should have added them back when we added Rutgers. I mean, that would have been the time to do it. (laughs) I mean, that would have been the right time to do it. But you're now at a situation where, you know, you're adding two teams that on paper, their record, no, not great. But here's what I really think everybody needs to start to understand. If you haven't already, this is always has been and will be about the money. Yes. We We have no say as fans about what's going to happen. We can write our petitions. We can go online for a change.org and try and sign it and send it up the food chain and hope that it'll do something. But it literally will do nothing. And you're wasting your breath if you think that arguing it is going to change it. And and I don't know if you feel the same way about this. I do. I think that for hardcore college football fans like myself, like you, this is actually a good thing. Yeah, We're just going to see more good matchups on a week-to-week basis. For a guy like me that sits down on my couch at noon every Saturday and, watches and does not 11. leave <laughs> until, no, I pack 12 after dark. Sorry. So 1 a.m. 1 a.m., <laughs> I, I literally watch games and bet on them. Yeah. That's what I do. For someone like me that does that, this is a good thing because I'm going to have great games to watch mm-hmm. every single week. Well, and look what you literally just said about it. You sit and you bet and you watch football. Now we've brought betting into it. Betting, legal in a lot of states. Betting, legal in a lot of Big Ten states. Yeah. Okay, so now there's the betting aspect. And now there's the California, L.A. market. You think the L.A. market doesn't want to dabble on Big Ten matchups? I mean, it makes sense. When they first say it, everybody goes, what? Why would you? Well, huge alumni bases in that city. L.A., a lot of alumni out there from Michigan, Michigan State specifically. I mean, that's a lot of, again, that's a lot of the positives. And, yes, are there negatives? Absolutely. Do I feel bad for the student-athletes of smaller sports? Yes. You think it's going to be fun to get on a plane if you're a Michigan student playing, let's say, basketball even, and you got to fly out to L.A. to play a game to then get back on a plane and fly back, deal with the three-hour there, the three-hour difference. I mean, no, that's not going to be fun. But 
do you do you as a college athlete have a say? No, you don't. No, and they're getting NIL money. And they're getting some NIL oh. money. I, two things. I And I don't know. You might know the answer to this. I don't. I heard, I read mm-hmm. that they're only joining for football and basketball. No. So they're joining for all sports. That's 100% confirmed. That's that's from everything I've seen it's and like, read. It just that part of it does not make any sense. Now the other thing the thing that they're not doing is I beach volleyball is not part of it. That's a shame. I know. Well, we don't have any beaches. So oh. no beach volleyball. I've been to Port Huron. They have one. No. <laughs> no uh no local beaches in Ann Arbor or East <laughs> yeah, Lansing, yeah, yeah. I should say. Uh, unless you're going to get on the banks of the Red Cedar and find a spot where you can put the game up. Not a bad idea. But for a few of those sports that just don't translate, they're not. But for okay. everything else that I have seen and read, yeah, I mean, they're all they're all coming on over. So wrestling, water polo, baseball, get ready to make that three-hour trek. But remember, that team, that right now there's only two of them. There's only two teams. Right now, you only have to worry about going to L.A. to play what will probably, let's be honest, be a weekend stanza of play USC, stay in town, play UCLA, come home. Yeah. If you're those other sports. And that's yeah. that's the logical way you do it. You make them play them both out there, and then when they fly out here... USC will play Michigan, and then three days later they'll play State, and then maybe on the way home they'll stop off and play Nebraska, right? You'll find ways to do it. The logistics are possible. These schools have a ton of money. It's going to happen. I think they can afford the PJs. They're going to be able to do it. It's yeah. going to be fine. One but, other thing. Yeah. Just because I, I know we got we to gotta move break. on. Yep. But so I heard with Notre Dame when they went to the ACC – for the COVID year, mm-hmm. they signed a thing, an agreement that they would not join any other league for eight years. They could not join a league for eight years. And obviously, you can yeah. get out of those kind of contract things. Mm-hmm. Do you it's think not, that's the holdup with Notre Dame? No, they the hold have up, to join a league. The holdup with Notre Dame is NBC having a stranglehold of them. NBC, that NBC money is not anything near what the Big Ten money is about to it's be. It's not. It's not, not anywhere close. But I think there is some allegiance there that they're dealing with. I think if Big Ten goes and gets Stanford right now, Notre Dame will find a way to join. Well. You go get Stanford. I mean, yeah. Notre Dame's in. I think so. It could be possible. Lots to still get into. We got one more break coming up next on Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Once again, Matt Lorenek. Whoever's building these intros is crushing it. Shout out Mike Wheeler. They are amazing. Just getting you in the right mood for the weekend. It is Sports Wrap. I'm Matt Lornick, producer Blake in the house with me, and we are getting into the most exciting news in Detroit sports right now. Your Detroit Red Wings are doing some fun stuff. There's the NHL expansion draft happening. As we spoke with earlier, my friend Erev Dean, who former resident of this fine state, now lives in Colorado, writes for Mile High Sports, but has been following what's going on with your Detroit Red Wings. And like we were sort of alluding to, we need to be ready to be patient. There needs to be some patience in all of this. All right, but let's hear who the Wings took in the first round. Here is the announcement of Marco Casper. Why is Detroit your plan? Selects 
from the SHL Rogla Center, Marco Kaspar. Oh. Boom. And there he is. Nice, easy pick. But a lot of good things about Marco Kaspar that Steve Eiserman saw that he has been very much following. He knows a lot about his career and has a very high expectation for the projection of what Casper will be. And we're going to hear that here in the second clip. He probably can play all three forward positions, but we draft him as a centerman. Uh, we think he has underrated skill and we think he has the ability to play in our top six. Uh, one day, I can't tell you if it's next year or the year after, but we have high hopes from him. I'm very excited to pick him. It's all you need. Give me the very basic excitement level that you have for this player. Don't sell me too high. Don't sell me too low. Tell me what you like about him, and let's just call it a day. And that's what Steve Eisenman has been doing. And I think this next clip pretty much sums up the way our expectations as a fan base should be. He was asked about where he thinks the Red Wings are in their rebuild, and this was his answer. Well, it's my third year as a GM, so I think we're in year three of the rebuild. Okay. I mean, yeah. That was with an ESPN reporter who basically got the response and thought, oh, that's it? That's all you got? <laughs> he's so good at not answering he's anything. He's so good. <laughs> and he's so good at just telling you. And really, I mean, if you think about that, that brings us all back down to earth for a second as fans, right? You know what? Well, I've been here three years, so uh, that means it's year three. And there is no bigger expectation for him to say, well, yeah, it's year three, but I feel like it's year five. We're really trending ahead of schedule. We're really doing a lot. There is none of that. There is just very frank and very honest. This is what it is, and this is what's going to happen. And for fans, this is what you need to understand. This is coming from Steve Eiserman our general manager telling us what we should expect from these draft picks. The sixth clip about how the trickle up effect has to, has to take place. And we're starting to see, you know, we'll see uh, some of the kids from the 19 draft come to North America that were from Europe or play in Grand Rapids. We're slowly seeing them go through the system and trickle up to our team in Detroit. It just, Takes a while, as we've always said, they're 17 and 18. They'll go back to junior, they'll go to college, they'll go to the American League, they'll go back to the European Pro Leagues, and hopefully each year one or two of them can progress to the NHL. So, he said just now we're starting to see players from 19 make it up to, first probably make it to Grand Rapids, and then come on down to Detroit. That's 2019. We're about to be three years removed from that. So that's where our expectations need to be in the NHL, that this is going to take a while for this Red Wings team to get things right back where we want it. It's not going to be something that happens overnight. It is not going to be something that they do, you know, in a blink of an eye because the other priorities that, Eiserman has and the way he's looking forward the way he's doing it is just again it's it's amazing to see him and the way he thinks this fifth clip he'll get into exactly how he plans and preps the fifth clip preparing I guess for our uh, for the second round we'll get through the first round tonight and 
get ready for the remainder of the draft. I think we got nine more picks, and we'll see what happens. There you go. Again, a very simple answer. Let's not overcomplicate what's happening here in this great city with our sports teams. Eiserman, he's taking the baby steps. He's doing the things he's got to do. Producer Blake, I would do a Blake's bets with you right now, but there are no bets. There's really no sports happening. Yeah, college football. I know. We're, we'll have to wait for that. We'll do, we can do some futures. We'll do some win totals. 